Please state your name for the record. Luke Adamson. I'm Chris Parrish. I'm Brent Simmons. You're listening to The Record. The Record brings you all the stories you should know about the Apple development community. This is Season 1, Seattle, before the iPhone. Today we're recording at the offices of the Omni Group in Seattle. Our guest is Luke Adamson. Luke is the co-founder of Toy Rockets, recovering Cocoa instructor for the University of Washington, and former developer at the Omni Group. Luke, it's great to have you here today. Thanks, Brent. Luke, what what is it exactly that you have against gophers? I it love seems, gophers. Yeah, like in a in a weird sick not way. Sick or, way right? yeah. Well, I'm in a macabre way, I guess. Okay. No, gophers, uh, they, they were part of uh, how I funded buying my first next station back in the day. So that was so long ago that gophers were legal currency. Uh, yeah, yeah, they were legal currency and in Idaho. Gophers and gophers. I mean, definitely. Yeah. You, could, you could take some gopher tails to the grocery store almost <laughs> and get some milk and bread. <laughs> no, $1 a tail. I mean, that was the going rate. Uh-huh. It was a good deal. Was that uh, for a school, an institution, or? or no, this is for, they're, so they're a, they're a pest for farmers. Okay. Out there in Idaho, where I grew but up. But they're medicinal otherwise? You know, I, you know, maybe they're tasty. I'm not really <laughs> sure. I haven't tried them. Uh, you know, maybe it's the right sauce or preparation, but uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, you go around, you trap them. The the farmers wanted that to happen, so mm, there was okay. some sort of deal with the irrigation department uh, mm. with the city, and and you trap them. And I see, and it's a government program. It's yeah, it was a government program. program. It was a government handout. Apparently, I was my next this station like came from the government. Idaho welfare. It yeah, is. You it go, is. It was awesome. You go kill gophers. Yeah, that's right. You got to do something, right? I mean, you don't want kids blowing up stuff. Well, yeah, I guess they didn't have meth yet in those days. Well, so, yeah. Yeah, I don't think you'd want to want to smoke a gopher or anything like that. So, <laughs> I'm sure it's been attempted. Probably Idaho, probably. huh? You grew up in Idaho. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, uh, was this next station your first computer, or was this? Uh, no, that the was tournament? not. That was not my first computer. Right? I started off with a Commodore 64, and then uh, kind of graduated from that to a um, uh, oddly a big uh, HP. Uh, mini computer, I guess, an HP 9000 running HPOX. Really? At your home? You had a No, HP no, it wasn't actually at my... using it? Okay, all right. All <laughs> it right. wouldn't have... Well, it was huge. It wasn't, wasn't <laughs> in my home. No, it was at this other... Uh, it was like a little, uh, little school for kids after school that um, my grandparents found and I got hooked up with. And, and so they had this big, crazy, old computer running uh, Unix, and that's where I learned Unix and C programming and shell scripting. Nice. How old yeah. were you when you were doing the Unix stuff there? Uh, mm, 14, maybe. Something like that. Any, any so. games on that? Uh, let's see. So there was a, kind of a Maze Warry game. Mm. Um, I don't know. I can't remember if there were any, any other games. I was mostly interested in just uh, figuring out how to you know, write software for it. Right. And you know, it was all text only for the most part. Right. It was old terminals. Right. And there was no terminals. real... Uh, internet connectivity at that point. Not, these, right? not yeah. to speak of. Now, yeah. later, we did ultimately get an internet connection through uh, BSU, Boise State University. Right. And then eventually, uh, when I had my next station, I, I had it hooked up with a modem, and it would we had this UUCP network. And so I had an email address that had uh, an exclamation point, a percent sign, <laughs> and an at symbol all in one that would, nice. would eventually get email from me the off to the The world's best password yes, was your was, email address. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. That's, that's what was required to get email from the internet to BSU to PCS and all the way down to me. So what uh, what attracted you to the next station? What did you... I mean, what what doesn't, really? Yeah. I mean, the thing is, it was fantastic, right? It was like a like a monolith of alien technology. It was amazing. Yeah. Um, a friend of mine uh, had gotten one, 
And uh, it was one of the older kids at this this school. And I mean, I was enthralled. I just fell in love. So I, I set my eyes on it and I, I had to have it. Um, I, you know, I convinced my parents that this is what I absolutely had to have, mm-hmm. which was kind of crazy. I mean, Were you more attracted by, um, you know, the, the UI and such or, or the developer APIs? Were you thinking about writing software? You know, at it? the time, I mean, I was young enough that I wasn't really, I mean, I was writing software and tinkering with software, but mm-hmm. uh, I liked software and liked computers. I liked to figure out how to make them do things, but I wasn't by, by any means a really accomplished developer at that time. Right. So. I mean, I was just sort of amazed by the potential. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could—it was—it was seemingly so easy to make software for it. The thing looked amazing. Uh, you know, it ran Unix, which I was familiar with from growing up. Uh, the alternatives were kind of, you know, Windows boxes, PCs, mm-hmm. like you know, 386 or something, right? right? Um, so it just, in all ways, seemed a vastly superior. The, the look of it made it a coveted object, I oh, think, right? Sure. I mean, I just know. the way it looked it. was so different than everything else, right? And yeah. you felt like you had a piece of the future if you were near one. Yeah, it's, right? yeah. it's amazing. It's beautiful. I actually have one sitting in my office that's... That, uh... Do you recall how many gophers exactly? That you <laughs> 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 I don't. I don't. I remember that the whole kit was about $5,000, oh, okay. and that was for a, um, a slab, uh, right. a 68040 mono slab, and I think it had about a 100 megabyte hard drive and uh, and then I also got the big laser printer that they had. Oh, oh, it was yeah. awesome. I loved yeah. that thing. Mm-hmm. So and then my my dad had a friend that worked at Hewlett Packard because they have a big uh, deal in Boise. Um, I ended up working with them later in high school. But and so he got me some excess hard drives, and so I ended up having two gigabytes of storage on this attached to this thing. It was wow. amazing. Yeah, well, it was crazy. that is yeah. yeah. It was crazy. Pretty sure that I was well into adulthood before I ever saw that much storage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I couldn't even pronounce gigabytes when I was 30. Yeah, I really had nothing to put on it, but I don't know. It just seemed, it seemed yeah. like, well, you what know, do you, you do with, out, when right? you have a computer like that at home with, with no internet connection? Like, what did you do with it? Oh, uh, you know, I just, I don't even know. I tinkered. I yeah. uh, had, you know, the modem, so I dial up to places. I dial up mm-hmm. to BBSs. Yeah. And um, I remember I actually put it in the truck and I drove it all the way to the University of Idaho uh, where I had a friend and they had a small Next Lab and I physically toted it into their lab and hooked <laughs> it up to their network and downloaded everything I could yeah. for Next Software yeah. off of you know, Usenet uh-huh. and all the various archives FTP that were out there. Archives oh yeah, all there. the FTP right. archives. Yep. Yeah. So. Yeah, that was that's. I remember doing things like that as well. It's pretty amazing. It reminds me of my Apple two two days. You know, uh, we had no connectivity to anything, but you'd meet up with yeah. other people. And yeah, like swap yeah, you would get together and, get and swap all this stuff. stuff all mm-hmm. at all at once. Yeah, take it home. Yeah, but Ooh, when I first started college, Christmas. I remember I had a two GS at home, and I would go to the Macs that were hooked up to the internet at the labs because I could read the, those discs, and I would download stuff while I was at the school, bring nice. home the floppies and get stuff on my 2GS. I was always into uh, sound apps and music, and so I was I would grab, like, people would get samples uh, and collect them and make instruments, and I would get those and then take those from my 2GS over to my sampling keyboard, and it was like this physical, I had to part, you know, to get that transported to my house, to my keyboard, required me to go to the college, drive to college, do all this. There were so many jumps. I don't know how I had the patience to go through all that. Thank God it's easier to move software today. Yeah, right? Yeah. 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 Definitely the case. So when, uh, when did you first, like, when you, when you got your next, you were already a programmer, right? Like you yeah, were already yeah. learning to develop. And yeah, I already knew how to, to develop software. I, I think shortly after that, I got an internship with Hewlett Packard in, mm-hmm. in high school. Um, so I would go after school and work for them. Right. So, 
Did you start with Objective C? Is that really like? No, I mean, I started with C. I yeah. started with mm-hmm. C. Well, I mean, I started with Basic on the Commodore sixty four. Right. So, um, but I never really did anything, you know, super complicated in, mm-hmm. in Basic, and I never really learned how to how to program that thing in anything other than Basic. So, uh, so I learned C on the on the Unix machine on the HP machine. And this was after Pascal was really the the. The big thing, because you know, Pascal seemed to be huge. Yeah, I mean, they, so Pascal, they had like a, a course in my high school, one of the classes yeah. that, you know, you could take the typing class, right? Or if you were advanced, you mm. could take the computer class and you could do something with Pascal. And and I don't know, for whatever reason, it just, uh, I didn't have any attraction to it at all. Just, right. It didn't look, it looked like, I don't know, funky basic or something. Yeah, sure. So I skipped that. I learned C at uh, at this other little deal. And then I, yeah, rolled right into Objective-C from that. And it was, just felt like home, yeah. you know, ever since. No problem picking up uh, object-oriented programming? Uh, not really. Um, you know, I, I did, I, I mean, I had some great some great friends and, and peers around me that were uh, a little older, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, better developers and kind of help, right. help, you know, teach me how to do things. And then um, I got my, my gig at HP, and there I was actually doing C++ work on Windows, um, Win16 at the time, writing some low-level GUI uh, oh, yeah. to, for their printer test factory and of win 32 eventually but so i kind of learned that form of of uh, app development and and object orientation and i don't know learning objective c a little bit earlier and then also at the same time it just it kind of gave me an appreciation for how uh, bent the other systems seem right so, mm-hmm. sure. lucky you yeah. <laughs> i had years of c++ before i found it <laughs> yeah it yeah, didn't start so objective c till what 2000 2001 2002, yeah it was I guess. when the yeah. After, for me, it was after the first uh, introduction of OS X. With yeah. yeah, I'm kind of amazed. I mean, it's it's 2013, and I, I still feel like, you know, in a way, I mean, I learn new things all the time, but I always joke that, you know, someday I'm going to have to learn something new because right. <laughs> I've been using the same technology, I feel like, for since yeah. I was a kid, yeah, really. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and so on that first Next, did you essentially have AppKit and all the things we've come Yeah, yeah. I mean, you had, now? I mean, things have changed a lot, but um, it's, it's eerily similar. I mean, you had AppKit. Um, foundation came... Uh, somewhat later, you had some some lower level objects. The the prefix wasn't ns; it was nx. Um, to the extent there was even a prefix, I mean, there was the the root class was object with no prefix. Right. Um, but yeah, you had a lot of the same stuff. IB was was very similar to kind of what it is now, and certainly what it was before they merged it with Xcode. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you'd visually hook up outlets and actions to. To controls on screen. And right. It's interesting yeah. that foundation came after AppKit. You would expect the foundation to appear first. Yeah, well, I mean, they certainly had their foundation-y code, mm-hmm. um, but they did not have early on, uh, you know, they didn't have auto-release pools. They didn't have, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, it just wasn't quite as tuned up. Right. It was it was more low level. It was more mm-hmm. sort of C oriented. You mm-hmm. know, you had these like hash tables that right. you kind of dealt with and um, they had NX string, which was you know, is is nowhere near as powerful as as uh, Foundation's equivalent. So, and right. NS string, I think, is one of our secret web secret weapons. Oh, Every man. time I look at right? other languages, it's yeah. like it's a I nightmare. Love NS string, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's awesome. NS yeah. string is wonderful. You're absolutely right. I about mean, the whole that. Foundation kit. I mean, there are some like weird little dark alleys of Foundation that you kind of wonder, like, how did that creep in there? That's a strange right. little thing. I wonder if anyone uses that. But I mean, most of Foundation is just so solid and and mm-hmm. just you know, right, well, super useful. They've spent so much time uh, performance tuning. Too right, so yeah. A lot yeah. of those level pieces are nice and fast too. Yeah, you don't have to do anything crazy like the standard. 
No, no. C- I mean, STL to oh, C++. Yeah. Anytime, I, anytime I work on another Iterate project and I don't have foundation around, I just kind of I'm pulling my hair out. I'm like, yeah. I know that you have something that's like this, yeah. but it's often, you know, especially in today's world, there's a lot of open source. So there's yeah. a lot of different kind of foundation-y things that are competing for dominance. And, mm-hmm. you know, like one project may use part of one, part of another, who knows. And I don't know, it just always seems a little bit more of a mess. What kind of software were you writing in those early days when you first had your next and getting familiar with the frameworks? Oh, you know, I just like a lot of random low-level Unixy stuff um, because that's that's kind of um, you know what I learned at the time, and there wasn't you know I didn't have anyone else that had a next around. My, right. my the older friend that had one had graduated, had gone off to college, so you know I was writing mostly Unix software on on the next. Um, I don't know. I remember I wrote a, a layout thing to print out some forms and stuff for the school. Um, just random tinkering. I actually I was kind of fascinated by the Objective C runtime, mm-hmm. so I ended up writing a lot of uh, goofy little runtime experiments early on before I had you know any need to. I mean, this is just sort of banging around like, oh, I wonder if you could do this. So I ended up writing things that um, you know rather than. Uh, Currently, we have the whole uh, coding thing where you can implement init with coder and encode with coder and, and whatever. And you have to sort of manually say, like, encode this property, encode that property, or decode, blah, blah, blah. And so early on, I'd wrote, written something that um, controlled the runtime and just figured out all the, the IVARs that an object had. And it would automatically encode and decode whole objects. And right. so that was kind of fun. Yeah, nice. That's yeah. nice. Sort of yeah. just a, you know, goofy experiment. Yeah, yeah. So uh, where did you go from there? Oh gosh. Um, so after, I mean, after kind of learning the basics with it, um, you know, the, I didn't really do anything with it in college other than just tinker mm-hmm. on my own. Um, no one was really doing anything with it uh, where I went to school. So, and then once again, I, I kind of got jobs outside of school to to keep some cash flowing. And then eventually, the whole college thing it just didn't really agree with me. So uh, I left and I, I worked. I went to work for the Omni Group. Oh, so right away, yeah. So yeah, how did I think you that find was my it? second year in college. At the end of my second year in college, I okay. left and went to work for the Omni Group. Uh, where, where were you going to school? So I went initially to the University of Idaho, uh-huh. and then um, I didn't really care for that that much. Um, I mean, nothing more just because college in general just wasn't sure. that yeah. interesting to me rather than that school uh, was right. problematic. But uh, So then I went with a friend down to the uh, Texas A&M, of all places. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> so I spent a year living in Texas, <laughs> hauled the old next down there. And then, um, you know, I was using OmniWeb because that was the browser that people used on Next Step. Yeah. And, it was uh, the browser. I it see. was. Yeah. The, yeah. 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 OmniWeb uh-huh. 1.0, right? Right. So, and then I'd, um, you know, I'd reported some bugs to these guys. So I kind of, you know, I knew of them and, you know, I'd browsed around their website. And, you know, you can't look at the, the old OmniGroup website. I don't know what it looks like these days, but the old OmniGroup website had this awesome, you know, come work for us. Yeah. Sort I of remember. Thing. It was yeah. just amazing. I mean, it was, yeah. it was. It was like Nirvana. I'm like, yeah. yes, I totally want to do that. <laughs> so. How big was Omni at that time? You know, can you like? I, it- you know, I can't remember for sure. I kind of think it was um, eight to ten. Okay, I, I feel like about when I was hired. Wow, was giant like next maybe. shop. Yeah. Right. Yes, it, they right. were huge. Yeah. yeah. Huge in the next space. Yeah. And then and they weren't really selling products, right? Like they no. I mean they made OmniWeb, yeah, but, they made OmniWeb. but it was all services that they offered yeah. essentially, right? Yeah. They uh, I think they might have had Omni PDF. Uh, oh, at the yeah, time yeah. that I had hired on, mm. um, and they they got some sort of enterprise sales, uh, right? So the next was really big in in the enterprise world. Oh yeah, yeah I mean it was. Is, I mean big institutions were using Next yeah. to build serious software, big financial trading platforms, and yeah. there were big government programs that were using it. It's often weird to, to remember that as an Apple guy, you know, Steve Jobs, the greatest consumer. 
uh, developer yeah. ever had this enterprise company and actually did fairly well. Yeah, yeah, it was it was kind of amazing. I mean, that's where I really learned everything I know about building big enterprise systems is consulting yeah. on on people's projects with Nextup mm. and web objects. I mean, which you know is on top of Nextup. So. so how did how did Omni hire you? Did, was it just like? Oh, your next developer, come on. I mean, or you know, did you come I, out and do an interview? Or I, really like, have, I really kind of have no idea. I I did fly out. I mean, I, I um, so the same friend that had a next before me, the guy that Tim Spencer uh, is his name, um, he went to work for eventually for Lighthouse Design, which right. were the makers of Diagram and um, Quantrix and various other things. So... Uh, he wrote a recommendation for me or made a call for me or something because I'd emailed him and said, like, hey, I really want to work at this, you know, this place, the Omni Group. Uh, you know, what do you think about those guys? And he's like, oh, yeah, they're really excellent uh, object-oriented hackers. You should totally go there. And, and, um, and they actually were doing, Omni was doing some contracting for Lighthouse um, mm-hmm. at various times to, uh, on their products or their contracts that they had. So, so I, you know, he gave me a thumbs up and I came up and did an interview, which I did horribly at. Um, and... And they hired me anyway. So, do you remember who you talked to? At the oh, the whole team. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, everyone, all, all the people. Uh, every, yeah, everyone. The entire was, yeah. company. Yeah, yeah. They, they, cool. their interview style. I don't know if it's changed, but mm-hmm. you know, you go sit on these couches upstairs, at the old building in Blakely, and and sit kind of in a circle, and everyone would ask you questions, and yeah, and cool. you'd you know try to answer, not sound like an idiot. I think also it might be interesting to kind of describe those offices uh, for people who aren't familiar with it, right? Like, um, yeah, it, it was yeah. pretty neat and, and it was unique amazing in my space. mind, honestly. Yeah. Oh, it was an amazing space. I mean, the building itself was kind of amazing. At one point, I think it was the showroom floor for a hardwood company or some, you know, some guy that did hardwood flooring. Yeah. Hmm. And so the interior was all different hardwood floors. There was hardwood right. floors all over the place. They had this, you know, beautiful wainscoting on the walls, yeah. just crazy lamps. And there was this kind yeah. of huge, we called it the ballroom, this big giant room upstairs with hardwood floors, great views. And, uh, I mean, they had an entire room stacked floor to ceiling with video games. Um, you know, eventually there was pinball machines in the basement. There was a pool table. There was an old Star Wars stand-up arcade machine. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Um, you know, they had they had a chef, they had a masseuse, they had, right. you know, it was just absurd. Yeah. It always felt to me like you'd gone into the coolest house ever. Like, it yeah. was <laughs> like, wow, this is an office. This yeah. is the and it wasn't, house I want to live in. It wasn't this that, the house analogy is perfect because it yeah. wasn't like, you know, your modern tech kind of um, office where, you know, it's a lot of glass and metal mm-hmm. and it's very trendy and yep. it's cool, mm-hmm. but it wasn't like that. It was very comfortable. Yeah. You know, there's like these, yeah. you know, leather couches, yeah. but Rugs they weren't the like just, you know, yeah. just crazy. It's, it's cool. just really comfy. Yeah. yeah. I bet that encouraged you guys to stay there all the time. Oh, I yeah. bet you never oh. went home. <laughs> never, never went home. Yeah. I, you know, I had no responsibilities and I had no, right. I had no, you know, debt to speak of or anything. So yeah, why not just stay there and work and play? And right. yeah, it was crazy. Actually, the first week I moved to Seattle, I didn't really have a place to stay. So I kind of lived between my truck and the Omni offices for a while. <laughs> I was trying to find an apartment. That's awesome. What did you work on at Omni? Like, so you guys weren't doing products yet, really. No. Um, did you, no. So were you just getting bounced around between different sort of uh, contract jobs, or uh, we'll see. When I started out, I'm trying to remember, I think they put me on a hazing project uh, where I was supposed to fix some bugs in OmniWeb's rendering of Japanese websites. Oh boy! And they had um, the the question is, how do you know it's? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, there's there are any number of reasons why this was just fraught with peril. I you know the least of which 
I'm sure was was not that I was not smart enough to figure this out. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, they had the source code from Next for the text object that was given to them for you know by Next for some purpose or other, maybe improving OmniWeb. I don't remember. And so, yeah, I was trying to hack on this thing, and and I'm I'm sure I made no progress. I don't know. I spent a little bit of time at it, made a made an effort, but eventually that got transferred over over to uh, Wim, who is like the perfect guy for crazy projects like right. that. And then, um, yeah, then I got I got drug on to some some client project. I'm sure I don't remember what my first one was, but um, you know they had quite a few going on, and all of them involved uh, at least everything except for the work they were doing for Lighthouse involved doing um, database backed you know web apps mm-hmm. essentially for enterprise. So right. I had to learn EOF and web objects, and that's what I spent the next five years doing. Really, wow, wow. Was it like? Uh like, did you have a sense of, like, <clears throat> where Next was going? Did it feel like, you know, this is a thing that's going to get bigger? and and Or did it feel like it had kind of gotten static? I mean, you know, did you feel... You know, I don't know. I, I, it didn't seem like it was necessarily threatened, you know? Like, mm-hmm. it wasn't going to go away imminently, at least. Didn't feel like that for a while. And, um, I mean, there were so many projects and, you know, they're big companies... You know, it wasn't like we were doing uh, apps for the flower shop. You know, we were doing apps for Standard and Poor's and, and right. Mitsubishi and Toyota, and um, you, you know, did something for one of the cell phone companies too. Yeah, I mean, they, yeah. yeah, they did a ton of work for uh, AT&T Wireless, which you know originally was Macaw. Right. Um, uh, you know, we did a ton of subcontract work for Apple. Uh, we, we did some direct work for Apple. You know, ported uh, most of Oracle 8 to Mac OS X right. for Apple. How'd that go? Oh, that was a hell. That was a, complete, <laughs> that was a complete hell. I don't know what I was thinking when I volunteered myself right. for that project. Yeah, we, we, we were at, I think we were at WWDC, and we were having a dinner, um, and we were there with Craig Federighi and uh, Bruce Arthur and, and some other guys that were on the EOF team. And I think this was after, yeah, this must have been after Apple acquired Next. Yeah. And... I, for whatever reason, uh, you know, we felt like we needed to have the Oracle adapter work with web objects on OS X. Because otherwise, you had to do all your development on Solaris, mm-hmm. and that kind of mm-hmm. sucked. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I'm like, hey, we can do that for you. Come on. We'll just, you know, we'll <laughs> port that on over. No big deal. Yeah. We've done some adapter work and you know, some client library porting with Sybase and stuff. So, so, yeah, they're like, hey, yeah, sure, you do it. <laughs> so one day, I get this delivery at Omni, and they send me a prototype G4. Um, that's in a form factor that they never sold. It was sort of like the older older shell, but it was a G4, not a G3. It was like this white, creamy, yeah. boxy thing. Yeah. The the host name was Zero, so I don't know <laughs> if that meant it was the only one or what. But So they sent me that thing, and they sent me two DAT, tri- uh, DAT tapes with about two gigabytes of stuff. Oh. Uh-huh. And they said, oh, and also there was a, a set of slides printed out um, in little, um, you know, that little sort of visqueeny, uh, insulating plastic stuff, mm-hmm. you know, yep. put in a binder, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there, I think there were about ten slides, and they were they were literally like these bulleted slides for a presentation or a course or something on how to port Oracle to different platforms that that, that Oracle taught out of their office in Ireland. Wow! So I didn't have any of the class material other than these slides. It was just like port yeah. this, port that, port so. this other thing. Go. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a nightmare. How, how big a code base was? Oh, that? it was huge. Yeah. It was it was huge. Yeah. I think it was five million lines of code. Uh-huh. Wow. Uh huh. Compile times were. Oh, it was. Unbelievable. I mean, Tim and I played so much Quake while we were waiting for <laughs> I was waiting for that to compile. Yeah. He was doing this other HPUX um, 
this port of uh, PDO, which is sort of like WebObjects, um, to HPOX for Apple. And, and so he was waiting for that to compile. I was waiting for Oracle to compile. And we played just a ton of Quake. We got very, very good. I bet. So, yeah, I ended up having to write... Didn't uh, you guys port Quake later? Wasn't it? Yeah, well, they, they did. I mean, initially, they'd, they'd, helped, um, they'd helped John with Doom. Right. And then, yeah, they did port Quake at, at some point. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was another fun thing. I remember playing Quake at Omni, and uh, Carmack used Omni. They had a proxy server running up there, and he used it for latency testing or something. Mm. So, you know, sometimes you're playing Quake on the local network, and all of a sudden Carmack shows up in, in, in the room <laughs> and starts, you know, starts playing. So that was kind of fun. Well, Chris, I think we should thank our sponsor this week, which is Windows Azure Mobile Services. Uh, if you go to www.windowsazure.com slash ILS, you'll see some videos that show how easy it is to get a, a back-end system up and running for your iPhone app. Um, of course, it supports not just iPhone, but uh, iPad, Android, Windows Mobile, and even websites. You might be doing a lot of cross-platform work, or you might not be. But anyway, it's there if you need it. So the videos are actually done by me. And the interesting point, from my point of view anyway, is that you know it took me just a few days to learn the system well enough to actually be able to uh, write and create instructional videos. And if I could do that in a few days, you, you could do this easily as quickly, if not quicker, uh, because it really is easy to use. You go there in your browser, you set up some da- databases, you, you write or modify some scripts, and you're using JavaScript, the entire thing runs on Node.js. You're not using any any weird .NET stuff that you don't know about. You know, it's it's standard stuff. So you set up databases, some scripts, um, add user authentication to your app. Uh, you could write your own membership system, or you could have your users authenticate with Twitter or Facebook. The system also handles push notifications, sends out email, even lets you have uh, scheduled scripts, which means that you could do things like download RSS feeds, for instance, or, or from Twitter or, or ADN or, or whatever whatever it is you, you need to do periodically. Of course, you can parse stuff, put it in the databases, you know, all that kind of stuff. All, all the bits work together, right? Um, and so I, for me, I think the, the biggest part of this is that it takes away a lot of the hassle of doing a backend. You don't have to, you know, for one thing, you don't have to buy or rent a machine, or buy or rent a virtual machine even. You don't have to worry about um, applying security patches or do you have the latest version of this or that gem or you know, what version of whatever is running on there. You know, Don't sweat it. Let Microsoft handle those parts. They are excellent at that. Uh, what you do is you write the parts that are important for your app. In a way, it, re- it reminds me of, of Cocoa itself, right? It's a, it's a UI framework on iOS or, um, or AppKit on Mac. And it handles, you know, all the boring bits, like scroll views and all that kind of thing. And you just write the parts of your app that, that are different and unique and interesting and important. And that's kind of what this is like. And I, I think that's a really cool thing. I, I, I can't say I would have expected it from Microsoft. <laughs> um, but, you know, when they provide great tech, I'm like, I'm totally on board. Just so cool. Anyway, thanks very much to Windows Azure Mobile Services. Appreciate it greatly. So how did the with the announcement of the Apple 
acquisition or the next acquisition of Apple. Uh, did that actually come as a as a big surprise by that point? Uh, you know, I it's been a while. I kind of remember we were all super excited, mm-hmm. you know, and I I, I I feel like for whatever reason we had some sense of foreboding building up to that. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Like we knew that something wasn't going right, you know, maybe the contracts were dwindling, or but I don't remember the details. I just remember that when that happened, we we all felt saved. Yeah. Yeah. We were like, oh my God, we're yeah. not going to have to, whatever, learn Java or, you know, <laughs> re- build Windows apps or whatever. The other you must not doing. have been paying any attention. Uh, Apple was like the <laughs> beleaguered <laughs> company. You know? oh, Apple you, was in right. such terrible shape. No, we had no, well, right. I mean, I'm sure somebody had no idea. I had no idea. Yeah. I was just yeah. like, oh, this is going to be great. You yeah. know, Apple's a real company. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It, you know, we're going to make yeah. awesome software and awesome hardware and it's mm-hmm. going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that yeah was, no, uh, nobody could believe that that would actually happen. It, yeah. it was crazy. I, I remember that uh, AT&T, one of the high-level executives that was in charge of a lot of the, the platform there that, that we contracted for, um, it, you know, v- very shortly after that acquisition, he was like, all right, how do we get off of NextStep? Or how do we get off of web objects and EOF and all this stuff? I mean, enterprises, all of a sudden, that had been using and adoring this technology for years, were like, let's get off the boat immediately. I just can't imagine how you would feel if you're a big enterprise, and all of a sudden, one of your your premier vendors is acquired by a company that makes toy computers, right? right? right. (laughs) Exactly. To them, I'm sure that's how you could look at it, right? (laughs) Yep. Yeah, really, what did... uh, I mean, Apple didn't have any other really interesting products in the, out there in the mm-hmm. pipeline. I mean, so a few accessories here and there, but it was pretty much so the Mac, and, yep. and that yeah. was it, right? So, yeah. yeah. Very consumer-oriented. Yeah. And, and, and definitely and, regarded and as a failing at that, yeah. even at the time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, for, for us, though, it was, I mean, we were like, yeehaw, yeah. salvation. <laughs> yeah. Wow. From the Apple side of things, it was interesting because everything was pointing to BOS, yeah, right? Completely. Like everyone yeah. was talking about it was going to BOS. And so I had even spent time learning some stuff on the BOS nice. and had a machine running BOS. And I was all excited. And then I'm like, Hext, what? Next. How did Next. that happen? Yeah. <laughs> um, by that has-been Steve Jobs? Yeah, right, well, exactly. I mean, that guy's just terrible. They kicked him out for a reason, right? <laughs> Never underestimate Steve. Uh, yeah, that was quite a turn. Well, we know that now. Yeah, yeah. well, apparently that's... Yeah. I, I remember we actually went to a demo of, of BOS and, and, you know, it looked pretty cool. They had a, a lot of really yeah. interesting stuff. There was some neat stuff. I mean, it, you know, it, it was one of the first kind of grand attempts to write a little bit more of a modern operating system, yeah. right? Um, yeah. And I, I remember I had this PowerPC Mac in my cube at Adobe. It wasn't doing anything. And I installed the BOS on it, and it felt like I had tripled the speed of that machine. I mean, just wow. being based on a modern operating system versus the crusty Mac stuff that had oh, been yeah. dragging along for so long, it brought, like, a whole new life to that machine. So I was super excited in that regard uh, and still had had, you know, very little experience with Next and didn't really know... Much except for, like I said, so many people claim the development tools mm-hmm. were amazing. And I was like, well, all right, maybe. Hopefully this will do something. I installed good. my copy of uh, uh, BOS on a power computing 604. Yep. And I remember thinking to myself, wait, <coughs> this isn't a Mac, and I'm not running Mac <laughs> software. What the <laughs> hell just happened? Exactly. Those are the clones, right? The power computing things, yeah. Yeah, the power computing, I love those machines. Those oh, guys. Oh, yeah. It seemed like a great company. Their marketing was awesome. I loved their machines, <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to remember one of the very first conferences we went to after the acquisition. It might have been Macworld or something mm-hmm. um, we went to, and there was some company that was a big Mac player, and I can't remember if it was if it was the 
um, power computing guys or code were, but they had these like they had Humvees and they were all militaryed out, you know, <laughs> and they had, like their people were running around with sort of military gear. It sounds like power computing. It sounds more like they were yeah. always a little over the top in their yeah. marketing. Yeah. yeah, they did some pretty cool stuff. I yeah, had like they were a very hardcore mouse pad or something that says something like "You can pry my Mac from my cold dead." Yeah, yeah. Or something right. like that, you know? <laughs> yeah. They were they were intense, but they made you know it was amazing. I mean they uh, they made. Pretty good machines, honestly, mm-hmm. and you know, of course, this was killing Apple, but it was about half the price of a Mac, yeah, right? right. And, uh, and, yeah, Apple was getting jack out of that, right? Yeah. But it was it was awesome for poor people like me who needed a new <laughs> yeah. computer. It was like, yeah, <clears throat> that was a good time. So, so what happened in Omni then? Did that mean that uh, you guys were getting less contracting work as that transition was happening? Essentially, oh, uh, not really. I mean. We ended up, I think, getting more. Um, you know, Apple ended up building out uh, a pretty big enterprise group for a while. And, yeah, we ended up doing a ton of work for them. So, I, you know, we weren't getting the direct work as much, I don't think, or, or some of the bigger clients that we'd had were starting to look at how to cut back. Right. Um, but Apple was still very good about going and convincing people to, to use their tech, you know, the next tech, um, and in particular web, web objects. Web objects was a big deal. I mean, right. it was. I don't know what. Was it still Objective C then? Because yeah. I remember there was a well, job actually, report at one point. Yeah, there was. So interestingly, it's so it's so weird. Uh, back in the day, and I wish we had this today. I'm kind of sad this technology doesn't exist anymore. When WebObjects started off, the the code that you would write, and I can't remember if it was all this or not. If there was a, some sort of boot program you had to write, but anyway, instead of Objective C, it was this thing they called WebScript, mm. and the extension was WOS. So you'd have those WAS files. And it was essentially an interpreted Objective-C. That you uh-huh. would, yeah, so it was like, you know, I mean, most of the syntax was identical. I right. mean, there were some things that weren't quite the same, and certain operations were kind of more expensive than you might expect. Like, you do a for loop, and it's really using an NS enumerator. Right. Um, uh-huh. So, you know, it's a little bit more expensive than you might expect. A lot of auto-releasing going on. But, yeah, so you could you could develop, and you could make changes, and reload your browser, and your thing was reinterpreted, just right. like a modern, you oh, know, like, cool. whatever, wow. Ruby or PHP or yeah, Python yeah. scripting uh-huh. platform. And uh, so that was pretty cool. And then, for performance reasons, um, at, at a minimum, and probably other reasons, too, they, they made it all compiled, or they, you know, had that compiled option, and more and more our big projects right. were compiled. Makes so sense, not only yeah. the sort of database back-end stuff, but also the, the web app front-end stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. No, I never used web objects, but I don't think I ever went to a web objects site where I was happy with the performance. Now, they might have always been on Apple's. I don't know if I ever went. Yeah. Saw one otherwise in the wild, not since I didn't work at a car or any place like that. Yeah, it was, I mean, it, it was a tricky thing to make uh, make work really well. Um, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't as stateless as the systems we see now. Mm-hmm. I mean, you ended up your URL corresponded to a particular piece of software, like a particular process running on a server, and you had to get routed back to that exact same process. And, and um, you know, later they got a little bit more savvy with making it easy to keep state in other places or persist state. Mm-hmm. But there was a lot of in-memory state that was used. And if that particular process was busy servicing someone else that also right. shared a session on it, you know, you mm-hmm. sort of had to wait in line. That was an issue. Um, you know, EOF was hyper complicated, and it was one of these big giant abstraction layers where you're like, "Oh, it's so great! I have this object-oriented thing that attaches to my database. I don't need to think about databases anymore." Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And then you start using it, and starts just beating the hell out of your database because it's you know you're using it sort of so inefficiently. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, 
So it was pretty easy to get awful performance. A lot of the work that we ended up doing was uh, tuning up other projects that were slower than they needed yeah. to be. Okay. I see. What was Apple, what was their attitude like during that time in, in terms of web objects? Were they selling you on it? Like, yep, we're going forward with web objects. Oh, man. On, I, the salespeople were selling hard. Yeah. I mean, it was people were paying $25,000 per CPU for a license to web objects. Yeah. I mean, that was the that was the going rate. I don't wow. know. Maybe, maybe there's some discounts given out, but that was... That was it. When they and I mean, this was when um, you know when you built a big web app, you you go get web objects at twenty five k a CPU, um, and then you know you get some Sun hardware. You got to pay for that. Pay for Solaris. Get some Oracle mm-hmm. licenses. You're gonna need a backup database. You know, so it was expensive to build a build a system. Yeah. Um, and then when they came out and they announced that web objects was gonna be whatever it was, like one hundred fifty bucks or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think a lot of salespeople were ready to jump out the window. Like, how am I going to live yeah, off that, right? right? Yeah. Like, you just sure. killed yeah. my whole... That seemed like a pretty dramatic shift yeah, from the outside, yeah. not really being involved with that. I was like, what does that mean? Yeah, yeah, that was kind of crazy. And then, it, along... and then eventually it just shipped with the developer tools, I think. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, and I think point, I remember yeah. getting it like in the mail with mm-hmm. the other stuff and like, eh, I'm not going to load this up. Yeah. yeah, I think at some point they'd along there, well, I know they did port it um, to Java. Uh, right. I never really used the Java version very much. Um but I think that that was their attempt to kind of appeal to a broader developer base, right? Mm-hmm. Since Java was a, a big thing, and and um, you know they're still trying to figure out like what do we do with all our existing developers and this Objective C thing, and yeah, yeah, you know, no one knows it. We might as well be Lisp, yeah, has these weird brackets. Yeah, well, even the big companies weren't writing Objective C for their software yet, right? Um, so Apple was taking Java a lot more seriously for you know smaller developers to be like, I do Java, I can do it on mm-hmm. my Mac because I mean Adobe and Microsoft, yeah. Whoever else they were, they weren't porting to Objective C yet. Yeah. yeah, it took a while. I have to figure that uh, there was never much Java development at Omni, right? You guys didn't look into the Java bridge or any of that. Well, so, I mean, no, not you? really. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we we definitely had some projects that we were engaged on that some Java was involved, but right, it wasn't you know, it wasn't a tool that any of us really had a strong command of. And I mean, eventually, actually, Omni ended up doing some Java work for Lighthouse. Um, where they ended up help, I'm pretty sure they ended up helping with the um, the Swing toolkit. Oh, okay. Maybe doing the um, uh, the text object equivalent. Oh. And then I think was the, Swing right after AWT. I think maybe. I can't yeah. remember for sure. I, I feel like for a while there were a couple competing frameworks, and OmniHelp yeah. worked on a text object that ended up not being chosen. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the Lighthouse guys, a lot of them ended up working on Kit that ended up not being selected. Oh, I see. Um, but, you know, Ken, I'm sure, would know right. more of the detail of that. What was it like uh, <clears throat> working here with so many amazing programmers? There's a lot. Of, I mean, oh, early awesome. Omni was some really talented guys, oh, yeah. right? Oh, it was fantastic. Yeah. It, was, it was super fantastic. I mean, especially for me, I'd never really worked with, you know, such a dense collection of amazingly bright yep. guys. I mean, I've been working with, you know, smart people, but this was you're sort of living and eating and breathing mm-hmm. all with them in a space for – you know, every day, all day. All right. Um, so who was here? It was uh, Ken, Tim, So Will. Ken, Tim, Will, Greg Titus, um, Andrew Abernathy, Wim, uh, Len Case. Yeah, no, it was, su- it was super amazing. Those guys were, were super smart. Um, not necessarily the most motivated to come over and help you. So it was much right. more of a, like, learn to swim or drown kind of environment. <laughs> right. um, so, you know, you'd... you'd you tried to learn what you needed to do, and right. you'd hit up people for. Oh, Tom Bunch was there, um, so you'd hit up people for advice and help when you got stuck. And otherwise, that's 
that's how it rolled. It wasn't like, hey, you're going to be my wingman for the next, mm-hmm. you know, whatever mm-hmm. month, and I'm going to show you the ropes. Right. I would always ask, if I had been there, I would have asked Tom to help me just so afterwards I could always say, hey, thanks a bunch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he's heard that many times. I'm sure. So at some point, the decision was made to go from uh, contracting to products. Uh, was that decision made when you were still at Omni? It was kind of, um, it was something that they had been working on a bit while I was there. They did uh, a product called Omni Backup mm-hmm. uh, that they were going to sell to Apple that was going to be the, you know, oh, the yeah. killer backup app, yep. like you know the replacement for Retrospect on the Mac. Right. And then they ended up getting threatened with a patent infringement lawsuit by Retrospect Ooh. that yeah. they patented. Uh, you know, I think it boiled down to they patented the brilliant idea of let's keep the index of what's on yep. the tape not on the tape. Separate. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Separate. Because, yep. you know, why would we want to spend all day looking for what's yep. you know, on this thing, right? Mm-hmm. Let's have this nice offline index. Um, so that died. And then, you know, OmniWeb wasn't any kind of a moneymaker. And OmniPDF had some some enterprise sales. But then, uh, let's see, Steve and I, Steve Nygaard, uh, who uh, wrote Class Dump, I think he inherited an original version and then took that over. Mm. He and I created OmniOutliner, which wasn't, you know, initially any kind of a big money maker, but it was right. it was a product. It was again one of these was like, that spare just time uh, things. A, yeah skunkworks thing that you guys were like, of, let's do an online. Yeah, something. Ken had a thing that he'd written uh, to help his wife um, organize her books or something, some kind of outline thing. Yep. It was really like an NS outline view, you know, thin data source, uh-huh. right? And so mm-hmm. we took that and and sort of upgraded that a few levels, and then a little bit more. Um, I think the next generation, we ended up writing a custom outline view, so we weren't using apples at all. Um, Did the first generation not have multi-line headlines? The first or? generation, yeah. So the first generation, you couldn't really have variable height rows. Mm, okay. um, and there were some other editing things that were a little tricky with it. Right. But the first you know, first version, it worked okay. Yeah. Second version, you know, we wanted it to be a certain way, so right. we ended up inventing more of our own thing. And then... Um, Are I mean, you an outliner guy? Had you yourself... Been into outliners at any point? Not, you know, not really. I mean, yeah. it was just like some text. But uh, in fact, initially, I thought it was a stupid idea. <laughs> like, I was sort of wandering the halls. And I'm like, I've been spending all my day on these contract projects, and I feel like my soul is getting dark and inky. And I need to write an app that you know is not awful. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm sure that I'm sure these enterprises love their apps, but you know, it's not yeah, necessarily super right. fun, right? It's so, not. It's not love as we understand no, love. No. Yeah. So I wanted to write something. So Andrew actually suggested. Um, the outliner, and I'm like, that's a terrible idea. Why, why would anyone use that? It's just, you know, that needs to, it needs to be like more crazily special purpose or have I don't know jetpacks or whatever. But uh, I ended up uh, going to Steve and saying, hey, let's write this thing together. And so it was like a spare time deal. We we're both kind of working on the same uh, paying contract together, mm-hmm. and so off of that, we started working on this thing, got it going, and you know, yeah, yeah. that was the first version. And then somewhere along there, I don't know if he'd started it before I started heckling him or not, because I definitely was heckling him a lot. Um, Kevin Steele, who used to work at Lighthouse and wrote Diagram, which was the sort of de facto Visio-like mm-hmm. diagramming thing on NextUp. I don't know if it predated Visio or not. It might have, though. Um, Ken would probably know right. for sure. But anyway, so he he'd been hanging around the Omni offices because Lighthouse had been acquired by Sun, and mm-hmm. and uh, those guys were friends with him, and so he was doing some work for Sun while he served out his time, and mm. and then I'd been heckling about, hey, we need Diagram on you know this platform on 
Uh, and I guess it would have would have been maybe Mac OS 10 by then. Yeah, yeah, probably um, must Rhapsody been. or something yeah. maybe, mm-hmm. right? And so he started working on that. And then did a deal with Omni where, um, you know, they sold that product under their label mm-hmm. and, and also contributed to it. Right. So, which was Graffle, right? Yeah, which I was mean, Graffle, yep. right? <clears throat> yeah, I remember the day that we were coming up with the name Omni Graffle upstairs yeah. in the ballroom. <laughs> oh, nice. um, I think it was Will that actually came yep. up with it. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, and I mean, I think that really helped them yeah. launch into the product space. I, that, that was the one that well. attracted me to the yeah. Omni apps, honestly. Yeah. Like, I, I loved Graffle when yeah. I first saw it. Yeah, Graffle's awesome. Every time I use, you know, Illustrator or mm-hmm. really almost any other canvasy layouty kind yeah, of app, yeah. I find myself missing just default behaviors in Graffle that I've been there for so long. They're right. just ingrained in my nervous system. Yeah, oh, I believe it. Yeah, a good one. People so. still to this day use it a lot for prototyping apps. Yeah, I know. I know, like yeah. A lot of all kinds of things. Storyboards and things. Yeah. Yeah. Designing quilts too. And quilts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure yeah. It, it helped build the beautiful offices we're sitting <laughs> in. Yeah, probably. I did. Probably did. So, so, so how did that go? Were you excited by Outliner and Graffle and so that transition yeah. that was happening? Yeah, I mean, Outliner was a ball, but at the time it wasn't really any kind of a, like, oh, we're transitioning to apps, yeah, you uh-huh. know? Like, this is going to happen. And um, and Graffle, I don't remember if he'd launched it. Um, I'm sure there were internal builds because I remember poking at it, but I don't think we'd really launched it before I left. Um, I think I left in 01, maybe. Okay. Uh, so they were just really starting to transition right around that time, a little after, actually, I left. Right. Because um, they were still doing a lot of a lot of contract work. Right, right. What what motivated that change for you? What, why did you leave? You know, I don't even remember. Yeah? Uh, you know, people have asked uh, over the years, and, and honestly, to this day, I don't remember if it was one big thing or just a culmination of a lot right. of things. But, uh, I mean, there were there were things. I mean, Omni was definitely an awesome place to be, but at the time, it wasn't necessarily a really high-paying place to be. Yeah, and, you know. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you had all these these luxurious perks and stuff, and that was part of the total package. Yeah. Right. But you know, when you start thinking like, hmm, I want to have a little bit more money so I can have some more stuff or whatever. Yeah. You know, down the road, I might want more stuff or I want a house <laughs> or something like exactly. that, right? I mean, at the time, it was a little thin, mm-hmm. um, and especially with you know, there's so many startups and and you know, the kind of nerd lottery was going on. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people were doing very well. I, yeah. Kind of like Good looking point. out the window, thinking, gosh, you know. Mm-hmm. And, I could maybe do something else and, you know, I could have more money. And right. it's not like I was, at the time, sort of near the end, I was managing all of the the projects. I was the head of consulting. Mm-hmm. So, it's you know, it's not like I was insulated from bill rates or how much, you know, projects yeah. were actually valued, right? right so right. I started doing the math, I'm sure, yeah, right. looking at my own paycheck <laughs> and thinking like, hmm, well, feeling a little left out. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I mean, obviously I wasn't calculating all the costs, just running the place, but... So there was that. I mean, there was also there was some funny dynamics, uh, you know, there, right. different personalities, and I'm sure eventually I was just it's time to do my own thing. Right. Uh, it's easy to wonder uh, if you had tensions with Will specifically. Oh, as, I, you know, <laughs> that's always. I'm yeah. sure everyone has had tensions with yeah. Will. Right. Right? Right. I mean, Will's an e- easy guy to have tensions yeah. with. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny. I think about it these days, and I, I feel a little bad about it, really. Um, I mean, Will and I. So when I started there, you know, I was kind of the new kid on the block, and and Will was he was he was a friend, he was a buddy, mm-hmm. he helped me out with stuff. Um, he actually uh, he'd bought this new car, this fancy RX seven, and for whatever reason, I'm like, I need a new car, and <laughs> and, uh, and he goes with me, and we, yeah. and and you know, I find this car, I'm like, oh, I need this one, and and uh, you know, he gives me this raise so that I can afford to buy this car. <laughs> oh, and, nice. That's great. You know, I mean, he was very helpful. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then so I kind of feel a little bad about how. Later, I was kind of bitter about, you know, some of right. his behavior or whatever. Right, but, right. Um, but, you know, Will was a very – he's a very opinionated guy. And, mm-hmm. 
and uh, you know he doesn't necessarily rub everybody the right way. Right. Um, and he was definitely into products, and I, I don't think he necessarily was very um, supportive. I think of the consulting team. You know, I, like he, I think he'd done his penance. He's like, I've done my consulting and yeah. now I've built my company. And I'm yeah, going to go right. over here and work on my products, and you guys can do your, yeah, your, right. you know, other stuff. And I don't really give a crap about it. <laughs> right, it's and, easy to empathize with. Right. I, I yeah. So you know, see, I mean, see saying that you yeah. kind of, you know, if you're working on that all the time, you don't feel like you're really getting any respect yeah. for it or whatever. Kind mm-hmm. of rubbed the wrong way, but mm-hmm. uh, so I don't know. I mean, I think at some point there was sort of an element of like, well, where do I go from here? I mean, there's no. There's no real up. Yeah, where yeah. You know, in the small company, yeah. and you're not. Gonna, they're not going to make you a founder. Right? Yeah, we're exactly yeah, right. right? Exactly. You know, it's like not, not like I have the capital to yeah. come in and say like, hey, why don't I buy you know buy my share, buy my way in, right? right? Yeah. So you know, I was young. I was kind of you know aggressive. I wanted to. I wanted more, mm-hmm. and so the only way to get more was out the door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so where did you go when you went out that door? Uh, I did nothing for a while. Um, no, just, be honest. You no, went back to hunting gophers, didn't uh, you? I did. Yeah. I did. I said, hey, at a dollar a tail, man. Back it's to just your me roots. and a four-wheeler and a shovel, my trap line. Good times. <laughs> With my macabre little line of dead vermin hacking uh, off those tails. Well, it's good to have a skill. Yeah, you know, I've, I always say I have two skills to fall back on. One is gopher trapping, and the other is is drilling water wells. Um, yeah. which is what my dad was doing when yeah, I was yeah. a kid. And so that was actually the other part. I was working with him to help fund fund my next oh, cool. purchase. But right. uh, So, yeah, two things. The software never works out. I can go put yeah. holes in the ground, and mm-hmm. then I can yeah. dig up gophers out of holes in the ground. So. Interesting. Yeah, gophers are kind of your – is in the abstract world of digging holes, gophers are your biggest competition. Right? <laughs> you yeah. do a lot of that. Yeah, that's right. And you're like, damn it, you're going to dig the holes. That's right. That's right. And it's the uh, proverbial bug. Yeah, got this right. thing you got to dig out and fix. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I kind of did nothing for a while. I'm trying to remember. Uh, I had grand plans of like, oh, I'm going to make an app. Mm-hmm. Except I had, you know, I had no idea what I wanted to make. And, and uh, I'd done the thing that I think is, um, you know, maybe some people, maybe Brent, you have the superpower where you can go in a room and be like, I'm going to make something. It's going to be this and then do it. Um, where I think I and maybe a lot of people – you know, they're like, I'm going to make something. And if you go in a room and isolate yourself from other people and problems and stuff, then you're just like, I'm going to make a new file with some text. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know. Like, I have no problems. I've got everything yeah. I need. Yeah. I have, you know, soda and bathroom and right, whatever, right. right? You know, so. Right. Um, and I ended up uh, getting hit up by one of our old, uh, wasn't really a client, but I guess a partner, uh, Frontbase in Denmark. Um, we used their database product on a few projects, and I'd been helping those guys reporting bugs with earlier versions of it, helping them get it tuned up on on uh, early builds of OS X and stuff. So they're like, hey, come work for us. I'm like, ah, I don't really think so. And they're like, well, we'll pay you this. I'm like, wow, that is a lot more than I was making. <laughs> Sign me up. Uh-huh. Let me get my ticket to Denmark. <laughs> so, so that's what I did for a while. Yeah. Did you actually go to Denmark? Or yeah, I went over there. I went over there a couple weeks. Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, it was one of those crazy things. Where like, hey, can you be in Denmark like Monday? Yeah, you know, be yeah. in Copenhagen, and so I had to go do the Rust yeah, passport paying, thing. Yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. So it was crazy. Yeah, it was. It was kind of a fun time. I, I spent most of my time uh, just trudging between my hotel and and uh, their office. Mm-hmm. Did a little too much drinking. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, a little throwing up there. <laughs> I remember stumbling into their offices one morning, very hungover. 
And I was the first one back to the office because it had been this late night. I mean, you do not drink with the Danes. That is just, I didn't know this. This is a really <laughs> bad idea. Yeah, yeah, no, don't drink with the Danes. That is right. a bad, bad idea. You know, I, I take that as a challenge. A challenge. Oh, man. It, no, I'm, I'm, it will hurt you. They, yeah. they are powerful drinkers. Yeah. Mm. So I go back in the next morning and I unlock the place and I walk in. And I'm like, something's not quite right. And it's not all in my head. And like, why is it messy? Like, what's going on? Like, what is that dent in the wall? Like, why are the windows broken? Where are all the computers? You know, and so, and it's all snowy and stuff outside. So it's really cold in the building. I'm like, what is going on? I feel cold still. And I slowly realize that someone has thrown a brick through the window, bashed it out. It's left this huge dent in the wall. I mean, they must have slung it with like a catapult or something. Someone's got an arm on them up there. And they came in and they ripped off all the cinema displays and and all the other things. And, and, I mean, I was so, this is how self-centered I was. I'm like, oh my God, I'm so happy I took my tie book home last night. (laughs) (laughs) So, and that happened to him twice. Wow. Twice they got uh, this blown out. Yeah, apparently ugly space. So yeah, Yeah. I worked for those guys, started an office here in Seattle for them, Mm. built um, the the app called Front Base Manager. It was like their database front end thing Mm. that did admin work with and stuff. How long were you with those guys? Uh, I can't remember, it was a year, two years before they cratered. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. On account of being ripped off all the time. Oh, that's Thieves. right. Couldn't yeah. get that's, insurance. That's anymore. right. Yeah. No, I mean they were kind of a startup, so yeah. Uh, you know, they fell like many fell on hard times, and and uh, I kind of saw it coming, so I had other thing, other options, and I took them. Yeah, yeah. So what was next then? Uh, next, I helped destroy the economy. Excellent. Yeah. Thanks for that. Yeah. 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 No, I uh, so one of Omni's clients that I'd started working on their project early on uh, was this mortgage bank, essentially. And this guy, you know, was a pretty small company at the time. Um, You know, he's pretty visionary. He's like, I'm going to build this platform that's going to run my whole mortgage operation. I'm going to automate everything. It's going to be super awesome. And so they hire Omni to build it. And they had someone else do the initial spec. I still have a copy of the spec somewhere <laughs> in a drawer. It's like I, every now and then I come across it and laugh. It's like this, you know, 13-page spec for building this giant mortgage automation system. It's hysterical. Um, so the project did not necessarily go all that well. But mm-hmm. for whatever reason, I got kind of catapulted into leading it at Omni. And I remember the day that I, I was put in charge of it, we had to go have this meeting with the guy that's the CEO of this mortgage bank up in uh, Everett. And so we drive up there. It's Greg Titus and I. We drive up there, and I have blue hair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cool. So I got to go into this guy's office with Greg, and we have to explain, you know, we're kind of changing around a couple <laughs> things. Luke's going to be in charge now. And by the way, we need some more money. <laughs> and by the way, that whole fixed bid thing, that's not going to work out. We're going to have to start paying us, you know, on a time materials basis. And I, it, was, it was an ugly meeting. Yep. Mm-hmm. There were... Uh, there was some colorful language used, mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, but I don't know. I mean, it ended up working out. That he and I ended up forging a pretty good relationship. So I went to work for him uh, later, and we ended up building that same system that he persevered like this whole time. Really persevered, making this thing work. Yeah, uh, got it working at kind of a small scale, and then I I went to work for him, and eventually we we built it up to be uh, you know a much larger thing to where they were they're running about five billion dollars worth of loans through it every wow. year. And out of that $5 billion, that's actually what they funded. So out of that, the, the system, the automation and everything Projected. would look at probably, you know, $50 billion loans, mm. maybe about 10% would get funded for those that were just tire kicking all the way down to the back. So What was it? Uh, then the economy 
right. imploded. Yeah, because yeah. those were all subprime loans. Probably. They were. They were all subprime <laughs> loans. They were. It was a subprime lender. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I built. I and the team helped build one of the biggest, most sophisticated, wow. you know, spam cannons for subprime. Right. That, so a lot of different banks were using these. Is that was? Uh, was yeah. Just... I mean, there were there were. I mean, everybody was had their own crazy platform. Mm-hmm. It was sort of like the war of the software. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And and we had ours, and ours was connected to everyone. I mean, all the big guys that you hear about in the news right. that blew up, Bear Stearns and yeah. Deutsche Bank yeah, and yeah. Credit Suisse and, you know, everybody. We're connected to all these things. We're connected to all these credit reporting agencies <laughs> okay. and, and credit repositories and mortgage doc services and all this crazy stuff. So Where was all this, like, hosted? Like, was it running on Macs and uh, so, hosting location or what? What was <laughs> going on? that you ask. Uh, so we built out a data center in initially in this one building that uh, they bought, um, and it was all you know. This was all web objects, right? And web objects at this point okay. was was uh, on its last leg. I don't know if it had been officially end of life right. by the time I joined up or not, but I think so. Um, I remember one of the first things I did when I joined on was I sweet talked Apple out of the source code to the Oracle adapter so that we could maintain it ourselves <laughs> as Oracle was advancing their technology and Apple wasn't doing anything with web objects. So, um, so anyway, yeah. So they had this data center running on a bunch of Sparks and and you know big Mitsubishi and EMC Sands and all the all the usual hardware right. du jour, right? Mm-hmm. And then you know they got bigger, and then we we sprawled out to where we were co-locating space in Internap, and we had a bunch of servers there. But for the longest time, um, we we had these X servers that were running the the automated engine core, the thing that was actually looking at all the little decision parameters and deciding, you know, based on the parameters and the mm-hmm. rules, you know, what loan you got or or not, and that was running on some X servers, and um, and then for whatever reason, I don't remember why we couldn't run on Solaris. Maybe when I wrote it, I remember writing it on my laptop. I probably used like the latest foundation or something that wasn't oh, right. didn't mm-hmm. work on Solaris or whatever. So then those things died. The exurbs died. So we ended up running the automated engine on, um, I think it was like a G3 or a G4 Power Mac that was sitting <laughs> in this data center <laughs> yeah. at the bottom of these racks with all right. the Sun hardware for a while. So, just sitting there deciding to destroy the just, economy. Yeah, just sitting there <laughs> deciding to destroy the economy at light speed, right? So it was kind of crazy. Wow. It makes me wonder, like, what other big giant banking systems and stuff, right? Yeah. Or like at the center of it, there's some little tiny Mac that's right. Yeah, right. taking the work. <laughs> so you did that for a while. Was that the last of the next step kind of contracting um, web objectsy stuff? Or yeah, yeah, pretty much was. I don't. I mean, they were probably the, one of the last users of web objects, certainly in this area. Right. AT and T had gotten off and went to Siebel. Um, and you know, I don't know who else was using it. Was this not was this when people. you worked with some of the Ubermind guys too? Yeah, a lot of time? yeah, a lot of the, we we had a lot of the Ubermind guys that were yep. contracting for us at the time. Ubermind was, I mean, I don't know, I wouldn't say necessarily dying, certainly small. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was a handful of guys, Sherry R and right. and um, Aaron Brooks, Mike Walker. Uh, so we needed web objects talent as we were growing, and it was hard to find. You know, there just were not a, a, lot, a lot of guys that had that skill set and. You know, even if they did, they wanted to continue it. You know, they wanted yeah, to do right something there. else. So, so we ended up hiring a lot of the Ubermind guys on a very long-term basis uh, as contractors to help us build our platform. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, so that was kind of the seed, I think, uh, you know, capital-wise, that really helped, helped reinflate Ubermind. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. No, oh, very interesting. So, yeah, you're responsible for that. Yeah. I, you know, Deloitte thanks you. <laughs> yeah. Deloitte thanks me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Sherry R will buy me a beer. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> One of those big magnums of champagne. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, was it the cratering of the economy that ended that 
train, basically? I mean, uh, essentially, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was either going to go very well or very poorly. Right. I mean, we, we'd been talking, we had acquisition offers that were, you know, those like kind of astronomical, mm-hmm. um, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars being discussed. Right. Um, and we did due diligence with two big, giant banks. I remember one, Socgen, uh, Société Générale, a French bank. Yeah. Um, that they were looking at buying it, and and uh, that was one of the smaller offers. Like as time went on and the economy got worse and worse, right? The offers got kind of oh, worse yeah, and worse, right. right? And so they took a pass after doing a bunch of due diligence because they thought that the the economy was going to tank and there was going to be too much exposure and subprime was a bad place to right. be. PR, it's in the PR it's in the name, stuff. you know, subprime. Yeah, sub means less than. Yeah, less I don't than. know why people didn't understand. Yeah. The funny thing is, is that after they took a pass. Um, like a couple years later or whatever, is when one of their traders, one of, was one of the first traders, Jerome Carvial, I think was the guy's name, mm-hmm. who who blew one of these like $2 billion trades or something, right? And they you know they figured this out like, oops. <laughs> so I love that they they did all this due diligence. They're like, no, no, yeah. we're going to stay out of this this money-making thing over here. Uh, yeah, meanwhile, the traders are just yeah, going just wild right, right. in the back room, uh, just, just losing billions of dollars. Maybe so, they found out about your G four and that just really maybe <laughs> maybe I remember I remember the the uh, due diligence guys were like so tell us about this web objects thing and you know so we're talking about it and the one guy looks it up on Wikipedia he's like so since it was end of life at you know such mm. and such a date right I'm like mm, okay let's spin that <laughs> and so that was you know it's a tough so, yeah but but uh, yeah so I mean in, at the very end uh, I helped close the doors and and uh, you know that was that. The, the economy just completely tanked. I mean, their whole business model went from from profitable to completely toxic, where every dollar they put into it just increased their their debt and liability, um, yeah. you know, extraordinarily, just overnight. So at this point, with the economy in the tank, you can't even get hired as a gopher killer because there are a hundred other guys with more experience. What would you do? I don't know, man. I'm a pretty experienced gopher killer. <laughs> I mean, I started young. Still, though, I mean, that economy was in bad shape. I started young. You know how to tease them out. You know how to work the system. <laughs> um, you promise them uh, uh, next stations. And no, right out of the yeah, that's right. That's right. You sweet talk them. You sing right. to them. Um, no, I just kind of, you know, I was independent for a while. I did some mm-hmm. random consulting. Um, uh, you know, my wife had a, had a regular job, fortunately, mm-hmm. um, that she got. So it wasn't like we were desperate, you know, I didn't mm-hmm. have to go put on a paper hat, anything like that. So did that for a while. And, um, you know, there's some point my wife was like, I hate my job. I can't stand it. It's killing me. I'm like, well, quit. So she quit. I got a real job for a while, helped a company with their uh, call recording software, mm-hmm. inherited a software development team in India. So then I flew to India and hmm. had that whole experience. Um, and then after that, I, I, you know, I went back to being an independent and eventually formed Toy Rockets and kind of that brings us to now. Yeah. yeah. Was Toy Rockets sort of <clears throat> at the beginning of uh, the iOS? Um, or was it a little bit predating that? No, Toy Rockets was, was uh, a little after the iOS bandwagon had started, mostly because I and the other co-founder were busy consulting right. on something else. Right. Um, so it was pretty early in the pretty early in the game, though. And certainly we'd been tracking it early on. And, and when we started using it, like I started using jailbroken versions of 
of the device and developing yep, some software early on, right? When people, when yeah. crazy people are looking yeah, at the yeah. binary libraries and extracting right. uh, oh, the yeah. bits they need to make apps. Um, Lucas so. and yeah. everybody, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Great time. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm, I mean, it was super familiar, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, oh my God, it's next up, but on a tiny little phone. Yeah. In my so, pocket. It's yeah. awesome. That was amazing, wasn't it? Uh, we should save all this for uh, yeah. season whatever mm-hmm. when we do Seattle after the iPhone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Luke, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks. It was a great time. Yeah, it's great. And you can find uh, this season, this episode, uh, therecord.tv slash season one.